0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. This morning, we have Pastor Dwayne all the way from Byron Center. He found his way over here, so come on up. Um, If you do not know... Say, Pastor Dwayne, it's hard for me to even say that. This is my dad, so anything good I've said or bad, uh, it's his fault to take <laughs> it up with him afterwards. No, but really, thank okay. you so much for coming, and have fun. Will do. All right, great to see everybody. And uh, I kind of feel old school. Everybody's up here with their phone, their tablet, and I'm up here with a big old folder with notes. And, and uh, can you grab this? But uh, I wanted to ask, how many of us that you've, we've never seen each other before? Kind of raise your hand so I know who's, who I've never seen before. Oh, few people. All right. Great. Well, it's really good to be here. We're so proud of you guys. I mean, you're, this is not even one year uh, that you guys have been meeting, and uh, just great things are happening, and we are proud of you and believe with all our heart that great, great things are going to be happening. Um, Samuel told me to mention that I have some books out there that we say I wrote, but really Jeannie and I wrote. And uh, the last one, our our newest book is out there as well, uh, Solomon Says. And what Solomon did in the 23rd chapter of Proverbs, he said, I give you 30 sayings of counsel and understanding. Now, Solomon, of course, was the wisest man who ever lived. He was the richest man that ever lived is the greatest achiever of his generation, and he says, "Look, there's 30 things that I want to help you with. I want to help you with your relationships. I want to help you with your money. I want to help you with your attitude. I want to help you with your kids. I want to help you with your work." He got 30 things. He says, I want, "I've got advice for you." Now, I found out about two years ago that over one half of all Nobel Peace Prize winners have a mentor who's a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Is that amazing? because nobody reaches their potential all by themselves. We all need somebody to help us, to encourage us, to see our weak spots, and take us to the next level. And really, that's what Solomon does. Again, wisest man, richest man, greatest achiever. uh, That's out there, along with some other books. So, uh, Friday, I was uh, at Samuel and Becca's house, and and he's, okay, what are you preaching on? And so I told him. And then Saturday morning, we had the storm. I remember the storm. You woke up, okay, I woke up too, One thirty. 1, excuse me, yeah, one twenty-eight. right, and, and I rolled, I heard the storm, I ro- rolled over, looked at the clock, and I was dreaming, right, and I was here preaching, but I was preaching the wrong sermon, not the one that I'd given Samuel, but it was a different one, and uh, that happens quite often to me, that I get, I, 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 I preach in the night, and I just write it down and then preach it, because... It's the one God's got for me. So the one I wanted to preach, I'm not preaching, but I'm preaching the one I was preaching in the dream. All right? So, everybody still with me? All right. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 3, and I want to talk to you this morning about a subject that is one of the most important subjects in the entire Bible. I want to talk to you about the blood of Jesus. Now, it's really unfortunate that very often we can go to church for decades and never hear a message on this subject. Um, particularly in Western culture, Western Christianity today, we talk so much about the love of God, which is legitimate. But love did not redeem you. Right? Blood redeemed you. You were redeemed with Jesus' blood. Romans 3, verse 25, whom God has set forth, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now, if you're not a Christian and you live in the United States, you could probably live your whole life and never use the word propitiation. Now, you're like, what does it even mean? You know, it's not like you go to Myers and say, where is the propitiation aisle? Because they don't have any propitiation. Right? And, and we read it and we just kind of read right over it uh, other translations, one of the more modern ones, make it a little simpler. One translation said, whom God has set forth to be a sacrifice through faith in his blood. Now, how many want Jesus to be your sacrifice? Right? And it happens through faith in what? In his blood. Right? Now, faith is largely dependent on knowledge. You cannot have faith for something you don't know anything about. Right? So I'm going to take a few minutes this morning, and I'm not really going to so much preach, as I'm just going to talk to you about the blood of Jesus. Now, by the way, another translation, which is very, really the best translation of this verse, says, whom he has set forth to be a propitiation. Instead of propitiation, it says mercy seat, through faith in his blood. Now, if you've, you, I, I want to ask a question here, and, and this is not to guilt anybody, but it's going to measure things here. How many have read the whole Bible? Good. Now, if you've read the whole Bible, you got to the part where Moses is building the tabernacle, right? And, and there's just chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, and it talks about the poles, and they're going to be so high, and there's going to be rods, and then there's going to be 50 loops of silver, and then there's going to be purple curtains, and there's going to be this, there's going to be that, and it's going to be so tall, and you cover it with gold, and you cover this with silver, and you make this, uh, this, this tall, and it's got to have horns on the side, and there's just chapter after chapter after chapter, and you're reading it, and finally you go, Ah! What in the world is this all about? Right? And listen, it's all about a box. It's about a box. Right? It's called the Ark of the Covenant. Right? It's a square box. It's got a lid on it. It's covered with gold, two angels on it, looking at each other. Right? That's what it's all about. It's a box. And there's a certain part of the tabernacle. It's got a square. It's a room. And there sits the Ark inside. And the priest can only go in one time a year. Right? Now, when he would go in, Leviticus chapter 16... on the Day of Atonement, he'd go in and he'd take blood. In fact, Hebrews said he never went in without blood. And he would sprinkle that blood seven times on the mercy seat, the top of that box. The cover is called the mercy seat. Now, you never open the cover. You all know that because you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) That's how you know. Because you don't open it. But, but if you would, but you don't. But if you did, inside is not the well of souls. Inside are two stone tablets that God wrote on, the Bible says, with his own finger. Right? We call them the Ten Commandments. And, and I, I did want to ask, is there anyone here who's broken any of those? All right, this is a good group. Okay, all right. So inside, we've got these these Ten Commandments. And this is what God said. He said, I will meet with you, and my presence will abide above the mercy seat under the angel's wings. So the tangible presence of God is right there. And that's where God meets with you. We've got the box. Inside are Ten Commandments that you broke and I broke. On top is a lid that's covered with blood. And on top of that, It's God's presence. And as Isaiah said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The angels are singing. Now, this isn't true in English, but it is true in Hebrew, right? When you say holy, it means holy. But when you put holy, holy, it's a multiplier, right? But when you say it three times, it means perfection. And it's literally saying, holy, 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 holy. How many of you know your God is holy? And there's all these laws that you and I have broken. But what keeps us from the judgment of a holy, holy God is a mercy seat that is covered with blood. It's covered with blood. All right. So we need to understand something about that blood. Leviticus 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given. Now, that is past tense. So God is letting us know here that what he's going to talk about is something that is retroactive. This is not new information. This is old information. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. So it's blood that could cover sin. It was blood that could, could literally pay for sin. So literally we go all the way back, Adam and Eve sin. The first thing that happens, the Bible says, is God kills some animals and he sheds their blood and makes skins to cover Adam and Eve. Next chapter, their two sons, Cain and Abel, bring offerings. It says, Abel, also brought from the firstborn of his flock and their flat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, Cain, he brought an offering, but the Bible says he just brought of the vegetables of his garden. He brought some corn, some tomatoes, some cucumbers, strawberries. I hope there was some rhubarb in there. Now, he brought all this stuff. But the Bible says God did not respect him or his offering. And You say, well, why was Abel's sacrifice received? But Cain's was not received. Abel brought a young lamb and shed its blood. His brother brought vegetables. He brought some turnips. He brought some tomatoes. How many of you can't get any blood out of a turnip? (laughs) So God did not receive his offering or him. Now, Now listen, this is real important. In the Old Testament, when you sinned, you brought a sacrifice to the temple. And the priest would inspect your sacrifice. You'd bring, he'd inspect the lamb. Right? Now, the New Testament tells us in Corinthians that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So that lamb is a type of Jesus. Now, the priest didn't come to you and say, what did you do? How often have you done it? You know, how did that make you feel? Who did you hurt? You know, where did you get the money? What did you do? He didn't question you about your sin. All he ever did was inspected your offering, and if your offering was received, you were received, All right, how many of you are glad that Jesus is your offering, he's the lamb without spot, without blemish, right? so we need to put our faith in Jesus, in his blood, now, if you were to ever attend church with Moses, think about this, the Bible talks about going to church with Moses in the book of Hebrews, some people don't know that. And the Bible says that to go to church, this is the first thing Moses did. It says that Moses took blood, and he sprinkled all of the instruments of worship in the tabernacle. So on everything, on the candelabra, on the, the uh, incense offering, on the, the regular altar, everything gets blood. And then the Bible says Moses took blood, right? and he sprinkled all the people. So, if you sat in the front row, Mark, you got blood. Joe, if you're in the back, you got blood. So, you never wear white to church when you're going with Moses because you know I'm going to get blood, right? And then the Bible says that Moses took blood and he sprinkled the book, the part of the Bible they had. You say, why would he do that? Because it's a blood covenant book, right? In fact, all through the Bible, Old, New Testament, the highest form of worship is not lifting your hands. It's not falling down. It's always faith in blood. Always. Now, you, we'll get to this hopefully before we're finished, but Hebrews chapter 12 says, the blood of Jesus is on the mercy seat in heaven right now, speaking on your behalf. In other words, in God's presence 24-7, 365 days a year, there's blood. There's blood in God's presence. It's Jesus' blood and it's speaking on your behalf. It's saying, Father, forgive them, bless them. Jesus' blood is speaking for you. Hebrews 9, verse 7, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So Jesus took his blood, now, Moses, when he made the tabernacle, God said this, make it exactly the way I showed you. The book of Hebrews tells us because it was a copy of a tabernacle that God has in heaven. And Jesus took his blood into the tabernacle in heaven. The Bible says he didn't take the blood of goats and bulls, but he took his own blood. Right? And he put it on the mercy seat in heaven, and it says he obtained an eternal redemption for us. Other translations say a complete redemption and an everlasting release. Now, when it says a complete redemption, this is what it means. It means God did not leave anything out. Everything is already included. God thought of everything to redeem you, every problem that you would ever have. And he included it all. It is a complete redemption. In other words, you will never go to God and say, God, this is my problem, and God's going to go, Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? We never thought of that. New new problem. It will never happen. Everything is covered by the blood of Jesus. So there are no special problems. There are no unique problems that are not covered in the redemption that Jesus paid for with his blood. In fact, Jesus paid such a high price for our redemption that it is just, it, it's just is criminal to not put faith in his blood for what he purchased for us. I have a friend who a number of years ago took his kids down to Disney in Florida. They went in the summer. And he said there they were, in line, waiting to go on a ride with his kids. And right in front of them There's this little kid that's like six years old with his grandma. He's got on a Mickey Mouse shirt, Mickey Mouse hat. He's got some sort of a Slurpee. He's drinking his Slurpee. And he says, Grandma, it's so hot. Grandma, do we have to stand in line longer? Grandma, how long is it going to be? Grandma, I don't even know if I'm going to like this ride. Grandma, can we just go back to the hotel? Grandma, I don't like this. Grandma, it's hot, and I want a different flavor. I'm my slurpee grandma. Grandma looked at him and said, Shut up. <laughs> grandma said to him, She said, You know, she says, We have come over 600 miles to come here. He said, We have come all the way from Arkansas. Now, and by the way, just for you that you do not know, the toothbrush. Was invented in Arkansas. You say, how do you know that? Because if it had been invented any place else, it would have been a teeth brush. But you'll catch that later. So <laughs> so, uh, so, so, grandma said, to her, we've come 600 miles. And she says, I have paid $1,700 for us to stay in a hotel, have food, to eat, and for you to be on these rides. And I bid this so you could have fun, and you will Have fun. I think God in heaven sometimes looks down at you and me. And he says to himself, he said, I paid so much for Jesus to come and redeem you. And he came from so far. And I wish that you would put some faith in the blood of Jesus and have some fun. Get some redemption. Yeah. (laughs) He bypassed, the Bible says, the sacrifices consisting of goats and calves' blood, but instead used his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. Notice translation says everlasting deliverance. So, So you can get free on Sunday, And still be free Tuesday. And you can stay free all week. Because what Jesus paid for was not temporary. It was an eternal, everlasting deliverance. So the Bible is saying you can get free and stay free. I want you to think about this. When you get to heaven, uh, you're going to still have, we're still going to have worship in heaven. You knew that, right? But but, but the Bible actually tells us what we're going to sing in heaven. There's a prophetic statement about when you get to heaven. It says, they sang a new song. It says, you're worthy to take the scroll to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. See, you weren't redeemed because God just loved you. You were redeemed because of the sacrifice of blood that paid for your redemption. And we're going to sing about the blood of Jesus for all of eternity. I think we should practice, don't you? We should practice doing some singing about the blood. In Hebrews 4, in verse 16, I, I like the Amplified the best. It says this This is because of the blood. It says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. Now, the throne of grace is the mercy seat above that, that, that uh, Ark of the Covenant. We're not going to the one that Moses built, but to the one that's in heaven, the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures. Listen, and find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate help, well timed help, coming just when we need it. Now, notice what it says you may receive mercy for your failures. God's mercy comes through the blood but God's mercy has to do with your past, your failures, your sins, and your mistakes. But he says grace to help, right? But that grace is not for yesterday. That grace is for today and for tomorrow, right? So the blood of Jesus not only takes care of your past, but the blood of Jesus, according to the Bible, equips us that we can find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, Well-timed help coming just when we need it. We sometimes think that all the blood of Jesus did was took care of our sin. But the Bible says it enables us to tap into God's grace for today and for tomorrow. And it's for help that we need today. Well-timed help, appropriate help for every situation that you that you and I face and it comes through faith in the blood of Jesus. Whew. So Jesus paid for a real redemption with real blood that supplies us with real answers to real problems today. It doesn't just have to do with our past. Hebrews 10:14, and this is one of my favorite scriptures on the blood of Jesus. In fact, when when I got this message to Samuel, he, he, he went through it and he said, look, he says, you can't preach that message. He says, there is so much scripture in there on the blood of Jesus that all you'll have time to do is read the verses, right? There is so much on the blood, right? And yet so often we are totally ignorant about the blood. How much more, Hebrews 9, 14, shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And we're going to talk here a minute about faith in, this, in the blood. This is one area that is so important. I've had people come up to me, uh, Jeannie, how long have we been? I think we've been, we've been in full-time ministry 43 years. Right? And, and we have people come up, and this is basically what they'll say to me, hey, my name's Bob, I'm divorced. I'm Sue, I was a drug addict. I'm married. I, I, I was a prostitute for 14 years. See here's what they do. They identify themselves based on their past sins and failures. That's, that's their identity. I'm divorced. I was a drug addict. I did this. I did that. All right? But the Bible says that when you put faith in the blood, it will purge or cleanse your conscience. From all the wrong things you did in the past. From all your dead works. So you will not identify yourself as the drug addict, the alcoholic, the divorce, the this or that or the next thing. Right? What the blood of Jesus will do is it will cause that to literally be purged and gone. And you identify yourself based on what Jesus has done for you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He that knew no sin, that's Jesus became sin for us. That's what happened at the cross. That you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So literally at the cross, Jesus took all, excuse me, God took all of Jesus' righteousness and goodness and took it out of him and put it in you. And took all of your sin and put it in him. He became, the Bible says, sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So when we have faith in the blood, it purges our conscience from dead works. So you don't believe you're disqualified because of what you've done or what you haven't done. So I want to give you a, a, a little test. Just kind of a way to tell, do I, do I have faith in the blood? Let me ask you a very simple question. and you Don't raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Do you believe that you qualify for the best blessings that God has? Do you believe you qualify? See, because when the blood has purged your conscience, you believe you qualify for the best. Not because of what you've done, but because of what the blood has done. Because the blood paid for all of that. Second question. Instead of the question, let me give you an example. Let, let, Let us suppose that there is someone here in the church who went to the doctor, they said, you're full of cancer, all things being equal, you'll be dead in seven days. And Pastor Samuel comes to you and says, would you please go to the hospital and pray for them to be healed? Now, would you say, yes! Or would you go, I I think it might be better if you have somebody else. Because God's not going to answer the prayer if... I pray. See, what the Bible says is when your conscience is purged, it's purged that you may do good works. Let me read the rest of the, the bottom part of this. To serve the living God. So it's so your, your conscience is purged. When you know that, you're ready to serve God in whatever capacity needs to be, needs to be done. Right? But if somebody asks you to do something and you think, well, I don't qualify because, it's because the blood has not purged your conscience. But when you have faith that the blood of Jesus paid for your sin, that that blood is right now in heaven, as the Bible says in Hebrews 12, on the mercy seat, and it is speaking right now in saying, God, forgive them, bless them, use them, prosper them, give them favor. God said, the Bible says that in God's presence right now, the blood of Jesus is there, and it is speaking on your behalf. And when you have faith in that blood, it purges your conscience from dead works. I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul said this. He says, I've wronged no one. I've wronged nobody. Well, look at what he did. He was there guarding the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. He went from house to house, the Bible says, gathering Christians, trying to get them to say something wrong, having them punished and thrown in prison. How many of you think that was wrong? but his conscience was purged because his his, his report was, I've wronged no man. I've wronged no man. His conscience was purged from the dead works. Now, the blood of Jesus needs to be applied. You can have faith, but not... you you can have, I'm going to say it this way, you you can have faith, but really it's more like mental assent. I I regularly go down into downtown Grand Rapids to Mel Trotter, where it's basically a place where homeless people end up spending the night, and and speak and and talk to them. Now, I can sit down with a, a guy who's a drug addict, uh, this is way they put it. They said, we don't want you to come for the first three or four days every month because when they get their Social Security checks, they they get drugs and a prostitute, they get in a hotel room, and they're there for three, four, five days, however long, and their money's gone, and then they show back up. So we want you to come when there's more people. Right? So I sit down with them, and I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? They say, yes. Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe he rose again? Yes. Do you believe he ascended in heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father? Yes. I mean, they believe they have mental assent to all the right things, but it hasn't changed their life a bit. Right? Because Bible faith is not mental assent saying it's true. Right? Bible faith is when you put all your trust and your confidence in it, and it changes the way you live. Right? If it doesn't change the way you live, it's not really Bible faith. So, we're talking about the blood of Jesus, and it has to be applied. It's not enough to just know about it. So let me give you the Old Testament example. Is, where's the clock? Oh, okay, I got a couple of minutes yet. Okay, here we go. Exodus chapter 12. Moses says to the people, he says, everybody take a lamb into your house. He says, bring that lamb into your house on the 10th day of the month, right? And keep the lamb until the 14th day of the month. Now, just as you out of curiosity, how many of you have kids? Here we go. So, when you bring the lamb into your house, and you keep the lamb, what happens? First day, the lamb is named. The second day, clothes are on the lamb. The third day, the lamb is sleeping in the kid's bed. Fourth day, Moses said, take him out and kill him. (laughs) Serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So so it's the picture, by the way, of the innocent dying for the guilty. Jesus, the innocent, died for you and me, the guilty. So he said, when you kill the lamb, now, this is really important. When the lamb died, and remember, 1 Corinthians says that Jesus, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. This lamb is a type of Jesus. When the lamb died, was everything done? The lamb's part was done, but the people's part wasn't done. Because the people had to catch the blood in a basin. And then they had to go and stand in front of their house. And the Bible says it was a piece of hyssop, a very common shrub in the Middle East. Stick that hyssop in the blood and strike the right side of their house. The door of their house, excuse me. Stick it back in the blood, strike the left side of the door. Stick it back in the blood and strike above the door. And God said, wherever I see the blood, I will not allow the destroying angel to do any harm. All right? So the people had to apply the blood. And the same thing is true today. We need to apply the blood. But you don't apply the blood with a piece of shrub. You apply the blood with the hyssop of your tongue. The Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Revelation 12, verse 11 it says this, that they, that's you, overcome him, that's the devil and everything he brings, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. See, we need to speak what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. And, and now for my second closing. <laughs> I want to tell you one of Jesus' stories. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. He said, the first was a tax collector. He was a sinner. And he went over in a corner. And the Bible says that he's beating his chest. Now, this is not penance. This is just insincerity. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Some of your Bibles say, be propitiate to me, a sinner. And there's a few of them that say it this way, God, be a mercy seat to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the other man was a Pharisee, and he lifted up his head, and he said, God, I thank you, I'm so good that I'm not like other people, I'm not unjust like that guy over there, God, I'm so glad I'm, I'm good and I don't do the wrong things, and I tithe, and I fast, I'm so glad that I'm so good. And Jesus said the first one went down justified, and the second one did not. In fact, Jesus said he prayed to himself. How many know it's bad when God isn't even listening to your prayers? But the one who said, be a mercy seat to me, Jesus said he went down to his house justified. He wasn't justified because of all the great things that he did, all the great things he didn't do. He was justified because he put faith in blood. Faith in blood. So let me close permanently. Hebrews 10, verse 13. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. How many of you qualify with the imperfect like me? It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who partakes in the purifying process. He did how much? Everything. For who? For everyone. So it's faith in the blood of Jesus, not plus what you can do. Not plus what you don't do. Right? But it is simply faith in Jesus' blood. By that sacrifice, he did everything that was needed for everyone to, who wants to partake in that purifying process. Say, so, would you bow your heads for just a moment? If you're here today, and in a crowd this size, there's people in every spiritual condition. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, you don't know God, Or you may be like literally millions of people. And I would say to them, are you a Christian? And they say, I hope so. I'm trying to be. But the Bible says this in 1 John. It says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, we're not supposed to die and find out if we made it to heaven. We're supposed to know we're forgiven right with God on our way to heaven. And if we don't know that, we're not where we should be with God. So if you're here today, and you're away from God, or you don't know where you stand with God, I want to pray with you today. I want to pray a prayer. It's in the Bible. I want to pray that prayer. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be on your way to heaven. So I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I simply want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray right where you are. And God's going to meet you right here in this place. As you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying to God is, "God, I know I've sinned. I need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven." One. As you lift that hand, you're saying, "Today, I'm coming and I'm giving Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back." Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, "Today, Jesus is going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside." a part of your family, on my way to heaven. Three, just lift that hand up. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right. Thank you. I see that hand. That hand. Somebody else. Include me. Include me. I'm not right. Thank you. All right. So would everybody please just take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray with those that lifted their hands. You say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe He rose again. I give Him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That I am forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.